But this morning, we are very excited uh, for uh, a guest preacher to be with us today, uh, a, a brother uh, in Christ, Dr. Billy Russell. He and his wife, Teresa, have been with us this weekend, worshiping with us and ministering to us. We're thankful for them. Uh, Dr. Russell and his wife, Teresa, they've lived here in Rochester for many years. He spent 20 years, most recently, as the senior pastor of Greater Friendship Missionary Baptist Church up in the cities. He also spent eight years as the president of the Minnesota State Baptist Convention. Uh, he and our lead pastor, Rick Henderson, they share at least the commonality of having some time both at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary uh, down in Cajun Creole country. Uh, and uh, we are thankful for Dr. Russell to come out of retirement for this week to be able to uh, bring the word of the Lord to us today. So uh, we are excited to hear from him and the challenge that the Lord will bring to us through the word that Dr. Russell brings. So would you please help me in welcoming Dr. Billy Russell. Thank you so very much, and um, thank you for being here. Thank you for receiving me with a hand clap of praise. All right, that's all right. I um, am honored to be here, and um, here at Autumn Ridge, I am blessed to be here, and um, we certainly give God praises and thanks for allowing us this opportunity, and thank Pastor Rick um, and his staff for sharing with us and allowing us this opportunity and a chance to meet Pastor Rick, matter of fact, right here in Autumn Ridge one Sunday after he preached. I was sitting right over there, and when church was over, I walked out, and he was standing outside, and I had a chance to speak to him and talk to him about a message he had preached that had really touched my heart. So we thank God for him and for everything that he um, allowed us to, to, to share with him and he came to um, University of Minnesota, he and uh, Pastor Otis, and we was at an event there together with Russell Moore, and I had a chance to speak at the University of Minnesota, and he was there, and uh, so we talked some afterward, and then we had uh, lunch, a brunch, whatever you want to call it, at Smokes with he and his staff, and um, then we met again at another place where I'd never been, had coffee um, with the executive secretary. Um, it was a wonderful meeting. And so now here we are. I've been properly vetted. <laughs> I know he checked me out real good, but I also checked him out, okay? <laughs> <So> <laughs> and we did, do have something in common. We both went to a, a New Orleans seminary, and uh, he's familiar with all those Cajun restaurants that I so much enjoyed out in New Orleans. So we are originally from Mississippi, but actually been in Rochester for some 22 years. Uh, my wife and I have uh, been there 22 years, and we um, uh, pastored in uh, uh, Minneapolis at 2600 East 38th Street for 20 years, and we still lived in Rochester. Now, you had to go figure that one out, how I pastored in, I pastored in Rochester. Uh, in, in, in Minneapolis, my wife worked in Rochester. She worked at Mayo for like 15 years or so, and now she's at Olmstead County, uh, but we're still in Rochester. When I, we first got here uh, from Mississippi, and that first winter we was here, I think one December, we got like 18 inches of snow, and I didn't, had never seen a snowblower before. <laughs> so I was out there trying to shovel all that stuff with a, a manual, with a shovel. And the neighbors across the street came and helped me out and 
introduced me to a snowblower. <laughs> but the thing about it, when I finally got one, it was crazy. I was trying to operate the thing and didn't know how to operate it, didn't know how to turn it off or whatever, and I was all over the place on the grass and everywhere, couldn't have, so, but I learned, I learned. <laughs> so after 22 years, certainly I know uh, how to survive, and we thank God for being in Rochester, Minnesota. And, and my wife is here, but I, I, something really good about her, she's been my girlfriend for, 40, for 54 years. 54 years, she's been my girlfriend, and we've been married for 45 of those 54 years. And we've been in ministry together for 40 years. She's been right there with me at um, churches in Mississippi. We pastored 20 years in Mississippi and 20 years in Minnesota. And the Lord allowed us, brought us to a good place that we could actually uh, retire. Now you have to go figure. We've been, um, um, I guess, dating, according, uh, whatever you call that, since we were nine years old. So, <laughs> so you can go figure and add that up how old we are right now. But I am at a retirement age, and, and um, what I did, I just um, wanted to give someone an opportunity. And my children are still in Minneapolis. Matter of fact, my uh, my oldest son is a pastor of the church where I was there in Minneapolis now, and my daughter is there with him. She's working with him in ministry, but they also, well, we have a charter school that's uh, over 20 years old that is a Blue Ribbon School in Minnesota, and uh, it's a great school uh, there, and my children are serving there, and my, my youngest son played football at John Marshall uh, a while ago. Matter of fact, he was a, if you look it up, he was a Joe Russell. He was a star football player. One year, I think he scored like 30 touchdowns, and he left from Rochester John Marshall and went to uh, Duluth, uh, University of Minnesota Duluth, and now he's in Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, but our family, uh, my wife and I have, uh, have three children. We have four children. One of my daughter passed away uh, some years ago, but we are thankful for the three children we still have. And uh, we have 10 grandchildren. I get it right, 10 grandchildren. So we are a very happy family, and thank God. So, so when they say come out of retirement, now I retired from pastoring, but I didn't retire from preaching <laughs> and had not retired from, from ministry. I'm still doing ministry all over the country, and God has blessed us and been good to us. Um, I want to talk to you this, this morning and uh, from Psalms 118, uh, verses 5 through 9. From my distress, I called upon the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. The Lord is for me. The Lord is for me. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I will look with satisfaction on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. My daddy was a pastor, he was my pastor. He was a pastor for about 45 years at the home church there in Blue Spring, Mississippi. You won't find Blue Spring, Mississippi on the map, but you will find a place like Improve, if you look close enough. Improve is a school that we integrated back in 
the 1960s. I grew up in the 50s and 60s in Mississippi, southern Mississippi. Um, and just to give you a little reference point of where I come from, Columbia is located 20 miles west of Hattiesburg and nine miles north of Columbia. That's where Blue Spring is located. Now, Columbia is the place where I actually grew up and went to school. The significance of that is it's the same place where Walter Payton went to school. Walter Payton went to school in Marion County, uh, Columbia School District. And I actually was on the same football field with Walter Payton. I, I didn't tackle him or anything like that, but uh, I was on the field. <laughs> I couldn't catch him, but anyway. <laughs> um, it, it's been stated that uh, I was the next Walter Payton coming out of Columbia. So I was a pretty good little football player myself, but I didn't reach Walter Payton's status, but I knew it, I knew the family. And also, if you don't know Walter Payton, well, maybe you know Brett Favre. Uh, Brett Favre played at Green Bay, and he played at Minnesota Vikings. And Brett Favre was, um, uh, my wife was in most of his classes with him. They, uh, we were the same school, University of Southern Mississippi. Uh, I went to University of Southern Mississippi, got my first undergrad, and my wife was in school with him. I was a little bit further ahead of them. So I went in class with him, but I coached against his daddy. I coached football at East Marion High School, and um, in coaching, Brett Favre's dad also coached down in Keele, Mississippi, and we played against each other, and um, uh, as I coached, we beat him in football coaching. So okay, that's my claim to fame. But anyway, uh, growing up in rural Mississippi, um, my dad, as I said, was a pastor, and I went with him just about everywhere he went. I heard every sermon he preached. Um, even got pictures of when I was one year old. Uh, dad was holding me in his arms while he was preaching. So I had the word in me early. So he, uh, I've been, I heard all his sermons. And many times um, he preached on this very text. He loved preaching from the Psalms. And oftentimes he would say in his message, God is for you. God is for you. And we'd be riding back uh, home after a message, after doing revival or something. And I was like, Dad, you know, I hear you saying God is for you. And all these things about the goodness of God and how he brought you out and how he brought us through. I said, but here we are. We stopped at a, a, a you all don't know about this, but a hot dog stand in Jackson, Mississippi, coming from revival. And when we stopped there, after Dad had finished preaching, we stopped at this hot dog stand and we went to the front to get our hot dog. That's what we wanted, hot dog with chili. And, um, but they told us, you need to go to the back in order to be served. And I found, I found that hard to understand. My dad had just got through preaching about God is for us. Now we got to go to the back to be served. And then we get home and then we in a house, living in a house where we could actually see under the, the cracks in the floor and the chickens under the house that we lived in. And then we was on, some, on someone else's land. We didn't even have our own land. We was actually, it wasn't called sharecropping, they called it something else. That's a whole nother story. But we had to work the land and we 
planted the crop and we picked the crop and then we had to give away the crop and we got a little bit back for the work we'd done. But all of, the, all of that, and I won't get into a whole lot of that because I got to get, get finished here, uh, but here it is. He's saying, God is for you and all this going on in our lives. I'm like, Dad, you know, I'm struggling with this thing about God is for you. I'm struggling. I'm being called out of my name every day. I'm going to a school where people don't want me there. I'm struggling when you say God is for me. And this is what he said. He said, listen, I've been in this a whole lot longer than you have. I've been in this world longer than you have. And I want to let you know that regardless of what we've been through, God has always brought us out. He's always made a way when it seemed like there was no way. I know times are hard, but watch God deliver you. Watch God bring you out. Watch God bring you all the way. That's what he told me. And then from his messages, he said, you always hear me talking about how Jesus died and rose again. He said, listen, in order for you to make it in this world, what you got to remember every day, not just on Easter Sunday, but every day, in order for you to realize that God is for you, you got to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Celebrate the fact that he was crucified on a Friday, died late in the afternoon. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. And on the third day, God gave life to this lifeless body, and he rose from the grave triumphant over death. Is that all right? Triumphant over death. He rose from the grave. You got to always remember, he rose from the grave triumphant over death. And during those three days, Friday to Sunday, matters of tremendous spiritual significance occurred. The death of Jesus Christ paid the price for our sins. Am I in the right place? I don't mind you all saying okay or, or like wave your hand or say, I don't mind that. It, it won't scare me, okay? <laughs> if I say something that's true, all right. <laughs> so during those days, Friday to Sunday, matters of tremendous spiritual significance occurred. And here it is. The death of Jesus Christ paid the price for our sins. The death of Jesus Christ, hallelujah, paid the price for our sins. That's good news for me, you all. All the wrong things that I've ever done, all the wrong things that we will someday do, things that deserve punishment, things that deserve punishment and retribution, these have all been paid for literally by the death, the blood of Jesus. He bought our salvation. He bought our freedom. And then on the morning of the resurrection, the process was completed when God raised him to life, proving that there is nothing in this world that the power of God's love cannot conquer. Nothing. And that's why Paul followed up. And Paul was one who went through a whole lot. But Paul could still say, out of all I've been through, I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, 
which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's good news, you all. That's good news. <laughs> that was good news for me then. That's what I needed to hear then when I was struggling, when I was going through all injustices and stuff I was going through, all the, the problems I was having. I needed to hear that good news that Jesus died for me and he rose again and he is for me. I needed to hear that good news then. And guess what? We need to hear that now. We all need some good news. That's what we need. Because you turn on the TV, bad news. You pick up your paper, bad news. It's, it's all the time. So every now and then, we need to just pause every day and get the good news. And that's why we're here this morning, because Jesus died. He rose again. And guess what? He's coming again. And through all of this, I can say to you, none of us in here have an easy life. I don't care who you are, don't care what kind of job you have, where you come from. None of us have an easy life. I may not have had the same problem you had or you're having. You may not have had the same problem that I'm having or having, but all of us, we're in this together. I don't care how you look at it. We are in this together. And none of us have an easy life. None of us are able to live in victory without God's help. In fact, I know many people are in here right now who are in situations right now. I don't know who you are, but you're in a situation right now that's about to get the best of you. If something don't happen, if something don't change quickly, it's going to get the best of you. But I want you to know that with God, you can make it. So here it is. Listen, none of us have an easy life. There's a lot of things happening right now. This ongoing pandemic. I mean, come on, BA5. What's going to be next? BA12 or whatever. But the ongoing pandemic. Now, we may have already had BA12. But the bottom line is, we thought we was almost out of this thing. But now all of a sudden they say, it's coming back. Bigger, stronger. I mean, about to get the best of us. Inflation. <laughs> I told you we all this together. <laughs> it's affected all of us. High gas prices, it's affected all of us. Not just you, not just me, but everybody in here. We are in it together. Bills are piling up because of gas prices. <laughs> it makes everything else go up. And then the gun violence. Oh, yeah, I passed it in Minneapolis. I've dealt with a lot of things. Gun violence is real in our community. But guess what? It's not just in Minneapolis. Guess what? Things happen in Rochester, too. Maybe you don't hear about it. Maybe you don't see it. But gun violence affects all of us. Mass shootings. It may be there now, but it could be here tomorrow. It's on our mind. We think about it. The war in Ukraine, ongoing. I, I tell you, it breaks my heart to look and to see what people are having to go through because of one country trying to take over another country. It breaks my heart. And sometimes I just have to turn the TV off to keep them crying. But then, another thing, um, I don't know if I know about this happened to you, but during the pandemic, I was literally about to lose it all. 
I'm up in the house. I can't go to my church. If I even step out of the house, I got to put a mask on. I got to do this. All these things I got to do just to be able to go to the grocery store. So my wife and I end up staying in the house together all during that time. And I don't care how much you love each other. We love each other. <laughs> we love it. Truly love You know we got to love each other after 45 years. And, and, and that love grows strong every day. But sometimes we can get on each other's nerves. <laughs> she got on my nerve. I got on her nerve. But we were still in love. So how many times can you say good morning? <laughs> how many times can you say I love you, baby? You know? But that's, I mean, we just, just, it was just the two of us. And my wife, my wife literally used to sing this song uh, years ago. I don't know if you all may have heard it, but she used to sing the song, Don't Mess With Bill, Leave My Billy Alone. That's a real song. Just look it up. <laughs> she used to sing it. And I used to love that song, Don't Mess With Bill. You know, but it was good. But then she got to a point where she like, go ahead and mess with it. <laughs> you know, and then when we look at this, all these things going on, the economy right now is wrecking havoc on people's jobs. And, you know, I, I know we say the job market is, is uh, people are getting jobs every day, but, but things are still happening that's causing people to lose jobs. In other words, virtually everyone I know is in the middle of some kind of situation, some kind of mess or another. And I know how it feels. I grew up in it. I've lived it. I know the sense of fear. What it is to have fear, looking out the window, wondering what's going to happen next. I know what that feels like. Looking out and people are in, the, in, in, in your yard and you don't know what they're going to do next. Like that is what is happening. I know what it is to have fear. I know what it is to have that impending panic. I know what it is to have dread. Don't want to get up the next morning because I don't want to face the situation. I worked at a school. I was principal for over 20 years at various schools. And there was this school I worked at. <laughs> I was the principal. And listen, it was so tough on me until I hated, I literally hated to get up and go every day. I did. I might well tell the truth. No, no, I, I wouldn't walk around like, I'm glad to go to school today. No, I was not doing that. Matter of fact, I set my clock, my ringer to go off at 5.30. I would wake up at 5 o'clock, and I wanted to make that last 30 minutes last as long as it could. So I thought that if I would wake up, and put one eye on the clock and one eye still asleep, that would make it last longer. That's how much I hated to get up. Dreaded it. So I know what it is to, be, to have dread and have hurt. I've been hurt. Pain. I know what all that feels like. I've been there. But I can also tell you, in the midst of my hurt, in the midst of my pain, in the midst of my dread, I do know that you can experience God's presence. You can experience his peace in the middle 
of a mess, in the middle of a pandemic, you can still experience the peace of God. I wish I had one witness. You can still experience the peace of God in the middle of everything that's going on because you know God is still good in the midst of it all. You can keep your head on straight while everyone else is losing theirs all around you. It's because you truly understand the nature of God, the goodness of God, hallelujah, the power of God. You are centered. When you are centered in his presence, what a mighty God we serve. Is that all right if I say that? What a mighty God we serve. When I say that, I have to say, follow it up with a hallelujah. Is it all right for me to say that in here? Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, I just almost let my Baptist slip out of me. Mm. The declaration of the gospel of Jesus Christ irrefutably proves that God is for you. He's not against you. He's for you. When you begin to understand this powerful yet simple truth, your life will change. That's what changed my life, knowing that God is for me in spite of all I'm going through, that God loves me, he cares about me. Too often we think that God is anything but for us. We think God is mad at us. I thought God was mad at me. I, was, I felt like it was a disease to be black. Like, God, are you mad at me? What did I do? Are you annoyed at me? Are you disappointed at me, God? Are you out to get me? Oh, okay, I know. God, you don't really understand what I'm going through. Many nights, I went up on the rooftop, literally on the rooftop, in rural Mississippi, that's what we did. We went on the rooftop, on the tin roof at night, and we would lay on the rooftop and look at the moon and stars, all the stuff God has created. And we, that's what we would talk to God on the rooftop. As a child, I remember asking God, what do I need to do? Do you really know what's going on with me in my life? Hmm. Thinking that God was totally oblivious to what was going on in my life. But I found out this is not the message the Bible teaches. God knows what's going on. I want you to know that I found out for myself, God is for you. He may not be for all your ideas. He may not be for everything you're doing, but he's for you. He loves you. He cares about you. He wants what's best for you. Even being one of the lowest of the lowest coming up in my community, God was still loving me. And I thank him for that right now because he loved me. He brought me to where I am. He brought me here to Autumn Ridge today. And you know what? That's a blessing that you're sitting here in Autumn Ridge. Listen to me, a little country boy, speak here to you right now and show you that God is for you. <laughs> what an interesting phrase. God loves you. What a great way to understand God. Can we just think about for a minute with all the stuff we going on, that's going on in the world today? Just think about this. God loves me. I would say that that's the best way that we can sum up the message of Christianity. God loves you. 
We sing about how much God loves us, and this is a message that's typically posted on billboards and printed on bumper stickers. But I want you to know that it's true. God loves you. He really, really loves you. Matter of fact, he likes you. Some people say, I love you, but I don't like you. <laughs> but God loves you and he likes you, even though he knows what you're doing and know what you're not doing. He still likes you and he knows what you're thinking right now as you sit in this room. He knows what you're thinking. I don't know, but God knows. He knows, and guess what? He still loves you. Because of what you're thinking right now, you're thinking about getting to Kentucky Fried or whatever when you get out of here, but because of what you're thinking, God still loves you. <laughs> This means that you can count on God for everything in your life. You are not on your own. God will take care of you. Paul said that my God, in Philippians chapter 4, will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Hmm. So today, I'm going to spend my next few minutes, I know I got a few minutes, I'm looking at the clock, but uh, I'm going to spend the next few minutes just telling you what I mean when I say God is for you. What does it mean to say God is for you? I'm just going to tell you from my own experiences. You can count on God in times of trouble. I'm not making this up. This is what I know. You can count on God in times of trouble. And right now you all our world is in trouble. But guess what? We can still count on God. The psalmist said in our text today, verse 5, he said, from my distress, in my distress, when I was going through, I called upon the Lord. That's a good habit to get into. In your distress, call upon the Lord. Call him. I've actually heard people say, I don't want to bother God with all my problems. Listen, if you ever felt this way, like you don't want to bother God with your problems, you are greatly overestimating the power of your problems and greatly underestimating the power of God. Trust me, God can handle your problems. Do I have at least two witnesses in here to say God can handle your problems? Has God ever done anything for anybody in here? Has God ever brought anybody out? Has God ever made a way out of no way for anybody in here? And you can be a witness that God can handle your problems. You won't be inconveniencing him. It's not too much for Jesus to take care of. Call on him. He's waiting on you. So David said, listen, in my distress, I called upon the Lord, but then he said, and the Lord answered me and set me in a large place. I love that phrase, a large place. He answered me and he set me in a large place. A large place, it means a place of abundance, a place of prosperity. I think I'm in a large place right now. <laughs> a place of opportunity. And when you're in the middle, we've been in the middle of this pandemic, uh, it makes our world seem very small. Being in the house with my wife every day, my world, my world began to seem very small. 
feel like everything was just overwhelming me. That's why we were getting on each other's nerves because we are used to getting out and mingling with people going everywhere. And when I couldn't go and, and meet nobody and be with nobody, listen, my world was very small. It feels like everything is closing in on you. Like your days are numbered and your options are limited. We all been there. <laughs> what, what, what do I do? Where do I go? Lord, I don't know which way to go. I don't, I don't know which way to turn. But God is saying, call me. I will answer you and I'm going to set you in a large place, a place of possibility. Call him. Ask for his help. And, and, and I really need to impress upon your mind, when you call him and ask for his help, expect him to come through. Don't just be praying and just praying and praying and don't expect God to do anything. When you pray, you got to get up and expect God to do something. I expect God. I know he will answer prayer. I, I know for myself, without fear of contradiction, God will answer prayer. He will come through for you. I expect him to do that. And when life turns on you, and it oftentimes does, the natural reaction is to fear. Fear of how I will survive this situation, or fear of what my friends will think, fear of what my, how the enemy will laugh at me, or what will happen next. It's only natural to respond in fear when things turn on you. But when you have the confidence of the goodness of God, you don't have to be afraid. Verse 6 says, the Lord is for me. I will not fear. What could man do to me? That's what I took with me every day. I still take it with me every day right now. The Lord is for me. That's the declaration I want you to keep in your mind throughout this week. The Lord is for me. I will not fear. What can man do? What's the worst that can happen? Had a lot to happen. You'll be criticized. You'll be laughed at. You'll be ridiculed. You may get fired. But the truth is that even if the worst thing happened a handful of times in the course of your life, it still cannot separate you from the love of God. I'm convinced I'll let nothing separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you ha what's happening right now, nothing can change the fact that God loves you. He's for you. He will help you. People ask, why, well, why do we have to go through problems? Why do we have, we, we have these struggles. Listen, everybody has problems. Everybody goes through. But what do you look like when you come out? Everybody deals with heartbreak. And some of these things we bring on ourselves and on our own lives, but some struggles are caused by other people. But everyone goes through something. None of us are exempt. Nobody, I don't care what color you are, where you come from, you're not exempt from problems. But I want you to realize that God is here right now. You can call on him right now, where are you sitting right now. You can begin to talk to God right now because he's here. How do I know he's here? Because I can feel him right now in my life right now. I couldn't stand here and talk to you without the presence of God. He's here. And if I had about two or three other people here that could, say, could make that declaration with me right now, God would come in and he'll move in a mighty way. God is here right now. 
Finally, I want to say, you can count on God when you can't count on anyone else. There have been times when I was felt by myself, alone. But I found out what Daddy used to tell me, what my mom told me. Son, you can count on God when you can't count on anyone else. As I was going off to college in a not-so-friendly place, they told me you can count on God when you can't count on anyone else. You can count on God when you can't count on anyone else. The distinction I want to make here in this particular verse, verse 7, says, the Lord is for me among those who help me. The Lord is for me among those who help me. The two biggest lies I ever told myself, I made myself believe, was there is nobody for me. I spoke that in my life. In situations I've been in, I said, there is nobody here that even like me. And then I declared to myself, and God isn't even for me. If he was for me, God, why would you place me in this situation? God is not for me, and there's nobody here for me. There have been times I felt that way. There's nobody on my side. But can I tell you, both statements are untrue. God is for me, and there are people that he has placed in my life that's for me. God is orchestrating right now, somebody in your life right now. You may think you are alone, but you're not as alone as you think you are. God got somebody he's preparing right now to speak a word in your life, to minister to you, to even supply your needs, to help you along the way. There is somebody, God always has somebody there to help you. Even when it, when it looked like there was nobody, God has somebody that seemed like they showed up out of nowhere, and they blessed me. So God prepared people. He was there, but he also prepared people to help me. Thank God for that. But here's the distinction I want to make. The people that God placed in your life, they are people too. They are people just like us, just like you. They are as fallible as you are. They make as many mistakes as you make. They have as many problems as you have. And sometimes, some of those people in your life will fail to be the fountain of strength that you expect them to be. They will fail to be that, be that fountain of strength for you. Listen to me. There will be times when people let you down. There will be times when you call on friends and they don't come through for you. There will be times when you ask for their help and they just don't give it. There will be times when you text them and they don't text you back. There will be times you call them, they don't call you back. You leave a message, they don't even return your message. There'll be times when you ignore your email, they ignore your tweets, even your Facebook posts. Because people will let you down. It's a fact of life. That's why David said in verse 8, it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. Yes, God is for you. There are people who are for you, but sometimes people will let you down. They'll leave you hanging. But the distinction I want to make is God will never leave you hanging. Even though God has placed people in your life when they let you down. I know you think, well, my boss is my source for money. My spouse is my source for happiness and security. My friends are my source of entertainment. My church is my source for spiritual needs and on and on. But can I tell you, there will be times when each of these things 
fail to measure up to the standard. They are not your source. Things, these things are not your source. God is your source. God is our source. It's, that's why he said it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. And the last thing I say in the next verse, verse 9, it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in the princes. You know, that's talking about the government. Listen, I pray for our government. I have prayed for every president. I still pray. I pray for the Senate. I pray for the, those who are in legislative positions, statewide and national. Matter of fact, I've been to Washington many times to pray. So I thank God for the government. I'm, I'm reminded to pray for those who have rule over you. I'm, I'm reminded to keep them lifted up. But out of all that, can I tell you, my hope is not in the government. My trust is not in the government. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of our Lord God. You can count on God when you can't count on anyone else, and that includes the government. Because God is for you. He loves you. He likes you. He really like you. He really, really like you. That's why you can call on him in a time of trouble. Now, if that's a declaration that you will agree with this morning, that you can count on God in times of trouble, and if anybody here knows that he has always came through for you, can we just give him a hand of praise right there? It's okay to clap your hand right there. If you believe it, it's okay to clap your hand. Trust God, clap your hand, believing that he's a way out of our way. And that's why I say, ending said, give thanks to the Lord. Always when you remember what he has done, for, look, give thanks to him every day, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Let Israel say his loving kindness is everlasting. Oh, let the house of Aaron say his loving kindness is everlasting. Let those who fear the Lord say his loving kindness is everlasting. From my distress, I called upon the Lord. He answered me and sent me in a large place.